Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. All right, welcome to episode 58 of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today, we're going to talk about what the American dream looks like for you. And possibly to you, that means the American dream is dead and isn't real. We were recently talking about what wealth looks like for Latinas. And that episode got a lot of love, a lot of reshares, comments. And one of our listeners uh, complimented the topic, but also talked about how, in her perspective, the American dream isn't real in the Latinx community. And those are her words. And so we thought we would delve into that today. We always say we want to keep the conversation going. And so we thought that was a really great topic to bring to our uh, fictitious table here and to bring it to the podcast. So again, welcome to episode 58. We're going to talk about the American dream and what it looks like for you. How are we doing today, girls? Hola, hola. Good. Hola. Very, very hola, good. Hola. Feeling, feeling good. We're going to talk today about the American dream and everybody probably has different perspectives on it. We recently just celebrated 4th of July, and if I'm being super transparent, I will say that this 4th of July felt heavy and weird, and for the first time in my life, I love being American, I'm proud of being American, and I do not shy away from that pride, but I also love being Latina, I love my Mexican heritage, just something felt off about celebrating 4th of July and independence, and really how independent are we? Is every culture independent here? Is everyone able to find social mobility and reach the American dream? I don't know. I was super contemplative about that. I don't know how you guys felt, but I thought we could start there and your feelings around 4th of July in the year of 2020. I'm with you on that 4th of July celebration. It wasn't, I wasn't very feeling very patriotic, but not in a negative way. I think it's a reflective year for our country. Our country, you know, had a birthday and our country needs to figure out what she's going to do next. What's going to happen? Are we going to listen to the people? I'm a very, you know, optimistic person. And I understand that sometimes we have to be real. We need to be hopeful for our country. And because our country is made up of so many different people from so many different backgrounds, from so many different cultures and beliefs. And and this country, it welcomes immigrants. But by saying it welcomes them, it, it also puts up so many walls and figuratively and literally and right now i think it's going through that transition and being or like we just need to know what's going to happen next on her birthday it was a time for reflection to really figure out what is what's going to happen to us as americans as people as citizens residents of the united states what's our future same here i had the same feeling i didn't feel festive i didn't feel like celebrating and I was at my parents' house. There were, you know, they made, I was telling Irene, they made pozole, ketamales. So we were being festive, being together as a family and celebrating our culture, our Mexican culture. But at the same time, I didn't feel like festive. Like I didn't feel like celebrating my American culture. But it did make me reflect. I was talking to Luis about this. I remember the 4th of July going up to the roof of our home with my sister, my brother, and my dad had baked like rolls or bread and we would bring it up and like watch the fireworks and just, that was our yearly tradition and feeling proud. It even reminded me of like, when I would go to Mexico and visit with my cousins there, like I felt proud of showing them my culture on this side of the border. And when they would ask me, a ver, habla inglés, and I felt proud of that. 
And as I've grown up, I, I still feel proud of that, but I've embraced my Mexican culture more. And yesterday, definitely just being at my parents' house. And mind you, I think we've been celebrating Fourth of July always at my parents' house. It just me sentí un poco nostalgica por lo que está pasando. During the last weeks, you know, I think this topic has come up with Luis and I in our conversations, what the American dream has meant to us. Do we feel like we have fulfilled like maybe we fulfilled the dream in our own way and and just what has happened throughout the years that we feel that perhaps the system has worked or is skewed against us and because of that we have we have had to work so much harder than you know your average american that's a really good place to start sissy so i know that vero had mentioned this earlier the american dream is different for everyone so we're not going to get it right on this podcast you have three women that are going to share their perspective it may be very different than your perspective and the reason we're bringing this up is because sometimes with our audience and our followers perspectives can be different and it's good to understand everyone so just get a more global picture of how we are all surviving life on the planet whether you're american mexican wherever you come from we all have different perspectives and a different life. What is the American dream to Latinos? And we happen to be three Latinas. So I do think that we're going to touch on that. But our perspective is what it is based on a lot of things, the neighborhood you grew up in, the influences around you, even the colleges you study at, the places you travel to. So again, we are going to come from our own worldview. We celebrated 4th of July in 2020. I definitely had a heavy heart when it comes to our black and brown communities, especially our black communities. I had a heavy heart because of everything going on in the media about violence against women and Vanessa Guillen, which we talk about in an episode previous to this. My heart was just heavy because I just kind of felt maybe all along we've been sold this dream to be so American, so American, so American. And while we are American, when you put us Latinos against our white counterparts, we're going to have to take five steps to every one of theirs. So as we're pursuing the American dream lately, I have felt maybe we're just conditioned to believe that it's an equal race. And we all have the opportunity to get to the finish line, however you define that finish line. But we can't ignore that it's not necessarily an equal race because we are already fighting against rooms that don't look like us and women not being in the room necessarily being decision makers. So as Latinas, think about it. That's why Level Up Latina exists because we have to elevate. So when it comes to the American dream, Beto will talk about this a little bit, but I know that for my parents, I think it was more real than it is for me. And if you define American dream home ownership, for instance, it was easier for my mom to do that. And in fact, often on her own as a single parent, I think in this climate, in this world, I live in sunny Southern California, buying a house here feels like a, it's going to take a couple of American um, lifetimes, <laughs> not just one. You're like, I'll take a few of your dreams with me. And so if my American dream is to rent for the rest of my life, that might be my American dream. Oh, well, it is what it is. Right. But I think it's so interesting. Don't compare your dream to anybody else's and do not compare it to your parents who had it easier five decades ago or three decades ago, whatever. Say easier, very like, not like, oh, it's so easy for them. Oh my God. No, no. But like, it was just different. Circumstances were different. Yeah. In fact, it was harder. Racism for our Latino parents 30 years ago, 40 years ago, even more prevalent for them not speaking the language when you don't. Not, yep. Being on English speakers. Yeah. I'm so proud of our parents for overcoming that hurdle. But I mean, easier in the sense, affordable. And again, I'm not going to cover that topic because Veto will, but I think all of us have different different perspectives of the American dream. And I wanted to say first and foremost, be proud of your perspective, whatever it is, and it may be different and stay away from the pressure of feeling like you have to define it like 
society defines it. Society can say anyone can be wealthy if you just work hard. If you grew up in a very poor community that has a lot of setbacks and a lot of resources are lacking, anyone can't be rich in that community. That's my perspective. Mm -hmm. My perspective is if you're being raised in a community where we have failed your community and you don't have resources, that you're surrounded by violence and it's normalized and no one is a homeowner, actually, it's not going to be very easy for that person to even envision themselves owning a home, living in a community that may not have violence, or it may not be easy for that person to imagine going to college. That's already a different American dream. If you can't see college in your mind, that's a different American dream than a kid who's being raised to see it, no doubt. And I'm thinking like, if you work a minimum wage job and you work over, let's say you're 40 hours a week, that's barely enough money if you have a family. It's ridiculous to even think say it's just you feed myself clothes on my back a roof over my head on minimum wage sometimes you end up working two three jobs or all minimum wage but you never really get to that point where you're like i'm fine it gets to maybe you're not paycheck to paycheck you're every other paycheck somehow you just still can't get out of that hole where like how do i move forward really the american dream looks different for everyone right and that's where we have to understand that what does your dream look like? Maybe for you, it's your dream is if it's a traditional way, like Irene mentioned, where it's, you know, education, get the job, buy the house, and then go from there. As time goes by, things get more expensive. Obviously, there's inflation. I mean, our pay isn't going any higher. Our pay is, is pretty much stagnant, staying the same in, in a lot of the professions that we're in or jobs that we're having. If you work a low-paying job or a minimum wage job, it's not changing constantly. And really, what does it look like for you? What is attainable for you? What's going to be different? And sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily mean owning the house, but if that's what you want to do, there's so many things that you have to understand and learn that go into that. I was remembering my, when my parents bought their house, they bought a duplex. My dad was very like, I want a duplex. We we're living in, in El Sereno in East LA. I was, I turned two when we moved to Watts. Later on, I'm like, dad, why did we move here? And my dad told me, he's like, these were the only places, the only homes that they were show me were in these communities. And they were black communities. And those communities, however, at one point were white communities. I read this article on LA Times as to how LA seems to be so segregated up to even now. And a lot of it had to do with just how the city had to accommodate the migration from the east from east to west, accommodate African Americans moving, looking for jobs. And this a lot happened happened during like World War II, uh, trying to accommodate housing for these people that came to, to the work out here. Communities like Compton, communities like Watts, these were all white communities. And at one point, Watts was actually integrated. Watts was one of the cities that was actually in LA that had white, black, and Latinos living in it. But Compton in itself was a white neighborhood that fought significantly, for example, to avoid having African-American people from moving in. They would revoke people's real estate licenses for showing Black families homes there. So this is like deep-rooted. Like, how does that happen? LA was planned that way when they they hired, back in the day, it was Douglas Aviation or Douglas Aircraft, something like that, um, hired about 44,000 workers and they didn't have anywhere to live. They, slow, they tried to build a community for them uh, or housing, build housing for the workers in like Venice. The people in Santa Monica fought for that. The people that live in Santa Monica, they're like, we don't want black people too close to us. No, they can move somewhere else. And slowly there were protests everywhere about we didn't want to accommodate these people that were here to work. So anyway, a lot of that plays into that. And, you know, and that's in the 40s, 50s. 
And then in 68, the Housing Administration, you know, the Housing Act, you know, they they signed this act into place. Let me get the exact name for you. It's the Fair Housing Act, which prohibited discrimination in the sale and rental of housing. But with that, it enforced procedures that are 20 years too late. That into place is like the, it only affected future discrimination. It didn't undo the segregation that gov- the government spent imposing for th- the previous 35 years. A lot of that we need to understand it. So when my parents bought their home in Watt, bought a duplex for about $60,000 or $70,000. That's insane. If my parents were to buy their house now, that duplex, they would not be able to afford it. They would not be able to afford it. So for them, that's what, when my parents crossed the border to make, have, find a better living for themselves, they didn't come here together. They met here. Their American dream was short. They're like, work, send money back home when I can and save to find myself somewhere to live so I can establish a family and provide for my family so that they can live a better life than I had. When we're born, I was born in 82. Here I am turning two years old in Watts in the, in prime Crips Bloods era, you know, it's like, okay, what's my American dream? And first off, it was like, let's survive every day. But that was, that's in the back of your mind. You're living every day as it is, but you're like, okay, my parents were like school, education, go to school, go to school, go to school. To them, that was the way out of the community we lived in. And my American dream looked, okay, go to school, go to college, get an education, get a good paying job, get a good paying job, get the house, buy whatever, you know? But when you start living it, shit's expensive, man. And you don't understand it because your parents don't know how to explain that to you. It's like, this is what you're going to do. Now, there's some parents that do. They're like, hey, we save money. So when you're done with college and when you're done, we're going to help you buy this house. And you have that, you know, you have that ability. But there's sometimes our parents don't have that opportunity. So now you're learning it on your own. So your parents generational wealth. They were able Sorry. Yes, exactly. So after that, it's like we're learning this all on our own. So sometimes it could be discouraging. The comment that we had, it could be discouraging because we find all these obstacles to be able to buy. And we end up buying in these low in places where we can't afford, which are now places I live in Compton now. When I bought my house, I'm like, hey, this is where I can afford to buy. And I'm already a college grad. I had a decent paying job. I was making decent money. I was like, I'm gonna buy my house here. But I'm like, I can't, I don't know if I could stay here forever because I, yes, I pay property taxes and I have money that goes into funding public education in my community, right? Because that's where I pay my property taxes. But when I have my kids, if schools aren't at, by that point reformed or doing better, then I, I'm going to have to find somewhere else to live. And honestly, right now that I have my three kids, I'm like, I don't think I can afford to move anywhere else. It is because it's expensive. So you have to put all these things into perspective. You're like, that was my American dream. What's my dream now for my children? And it could be hard, but if the more we understand what actually goes into that dream of, let's say, home ownership, or let's say that that dream you have in mind, understand it so that you can learn beforehand the steps that you might need to take. And you're going to have to obviously adapt to changing times, but make sure that you have a strategy in place or a plan in place to be able to do that. Because we can't just go on a whim like, oh, I'm going to have that job and that good paying job is going to be able to provide me this opportunity. No, because jobs now, no, it's, if you don't have a skill that someone's willing to pay for, I'm sorry. No. And now many more people have that skill. So there's that competition. So anyway, a lot goes into that. And I don't think the dream is dead. It just really depends what your dream looks like and what you're willing to do and making sure that if you, that's your, whatever your dream is, learn about how you can get there beforehand so that you're not like crushed 
when you it, it's unattainable, you know, go from there. Word, I was just going to say, yeah, we don't have that generational wealth where we, you know, our mm -hmm. parents can give us, hey, here's this down payment for a home. I, we, Luis and I talk about this all the time. We have friends that they married into their spouses actually do have that wealth. And those parents were able to provide for them like, hey, your first home, here it is. Luis and I don't have that. And much like Irene, we've chosen to be renters because that's what we can afford right now. We can't afford a home in San Francisco. I think it's it's a balance, right? Right now, what we're we're choosing is a good area, a good community to raise our children and potentially send them to good schools in a nice neighborhood, but we don't own our home. And if it means we're going to be renters perhaps forever, then so be it. Or, you know, because I don't, at this point, we're not willing to move elsewhere where we can afford a home and who knows when we're going to be able to afford a home. And this talk came up when we were right now that we're like, okay, looking for schools. And we thought like, okay, well, what if we look at um, perhaps outside of San Francisco, if what schools are there, if there's public schools that are good, but that meant like moving what we've known for the last five years, like our community moving away from that to, to look for better schools. So we're like, okay, why, why would we move out from a city that we love that we're comfortable in that we know at least for now we can afford the rent. Like why, why move across where we're, you know, like we're, we don't know anyone. We would have to kind of start from scratch. And I think similar to you, Irene, I need, you came back from your year off and you came back to the same area because that's what you know and you know the schools and it's like, that's what you're doing. That's, that's your dream right now. Like how you're envisioning and same here. Yeah, you know, I honestly, when we when we first got married, I lived in Brentwood, which I could not afford. And I just lived there with two college friends and we loved it. And then eventually we tried to buy a condo and we ended up leaving our local community to be able to afford that condo in Orange County. And then we weren't actually happy there because we were commuting back to the South Bay. And there was just a lot of factors. And I realized I'm just buying this because that feels like the next step and it makes my mom proud, but I'm isolated. I'm over here. It's It was a great place for while well, it lasted, but it wasn't a smart move. I was sort of following this American dream that wasn't my dream necessarily. I just felt that it was kind of what I was shown. My mom was able to do it. It was important to her that we all, all six of her kids owned property. Eventually we actually short sold that the economy took a total crap the year we bought it so we moved back to the south bay and we became renters and i remember as my son was growing up it was important for me to settle down by the time he was in kindergarten and i just felt like well we can really go anywhere and i'm going to base it on a school district and that was important to me everybody's dream is different that's the point i loved growing up in inglewood i didn't want my child to go to schools in inglewood i didn't do too bad going to schools in inglewood but I know for a fact there was a lot of luck that came into play. There was a lot of prayers probably on my mom's side. There was a lot of my siblings sort of steering me in the right direction. At a school like Inglewood High, and now even worse because that school district is known for completely stealing the money and the resources and kids have to go to charter schools. That's my understanding now or private schools. But the system itself. Inglewood Unified School District has had so much drama around the fact that the school district mismanages the money. Those in power find a way to de deplete the resources, unfortunately. And I love Inglewood. I love that my mom still has a home there. But I knew going into it, am I going to be able to afford private school? Am I going to be able to do lotteries for a charter school? Like I knew right off, like, let me just not deal with those politics and just try to live in a community where the school district's known for being a good one. And we started off with one kid in kindergarten. And before you know it, there's three kids going through the system. And I love living in this community, but I truly 
honestly, 100% picks it based on the school district. And I thought I may not be able to pay property taxes and own a home there, or maybe I will, you know, that might be next and up and coming for us. That's the point level of Latina, right? And during the years of us growing in this community, all the savings that we had, our American dream was actually to travel. So it's funny, instead of investing in a house, we took a whole year to travel. So more power to you if you, like Vettel said, have a plan, understand where do you want to invest your money and why. For us, it was the schooling, the neighborhood, the environment, the ability to travel where we decide to save and spend on those things and feel like we're realizing the American dream. The third part that I'll say to that is while it's very hard, I think today to climb the corporate ladder because of a lot of issues, it still is very possible. You will go against the grind and people will not look like you, but it is very possible to climb the corporate ladder in this climate. While you know for a fact the system is rigged against you, we talked about generational wealth, companies and corporations are also still very much rigged against you from the Latina perspective, because we're talking about our community. But I still believe 100% in entrepreneurship. I believe in that a billion percent. I believe that the best way to reach the American dream is to have your own hustle. And that's why we run and operate Level Up Latina. My husband has his own business as well. And while I run another business that is not mine because it's a nonprofit that I report to and work for, it's very autonomous and it's run like if I was an entrepreneur with a lot of freedom to kind of make decisions and move the needle forward and to raise as much as I'd want to raise for the organization to then spend on the organization. But it has taught me skills that like, wow, entrepreneurship is the dream. I do believe that people in this country, the next wave, it may not be owning a home, but having a business. And that may sound crazy. I do believe that that's the American dream in this country. There needs to be more Black brown, Southeast Asian individuals that are underrepresented that own the business, that own the wealth, that use their dollars, then grow their communities. I think that's the dream. I love that because you can live wherever you want, right? Like I can live here in Redondo, but I know for a fact that as an entrepreneur, the dollars that I make, I can then invest in the communities that I want to bring up. It may not necessarily be my community, if I'm being honest. It's not my community that I live in, that I invest in. I want to invest in the community that I grew up in, but I feel that that comes with grinding, hustling, having enough income, saving making the right moves to then bring up my community. That's where I stand with that. I do believe in the dream of becoming a business owner. This pandemic has taught us so much. Like me personally, I feel like I've learned so much, put things into perspective and reflect on things that have happened throughout my life. And I think deep down inside, I, I've always known, hey, you know, yeah, we live in a system that's skewed against us. It pushes us down. But during this pandemic, I've had a lot of conversations with you two, with my husband, and I've seen things on social media where like, wow, like this shit's happening. This has happened for generations. Like what we learned in Black Lives Matters movement and the military, what's happening and just the systematic racism. You guys both know that recently my, you know, my husband defended his dissertation. We were talking about it. So he got his final report card, uh, graduated with a 4.0 from his PhD, you know, and I was like, wow. And he said, you know, yeah. And he said, you know, I wish he's like, I wish I can go back to my high school counselor and, and be like, look, look what I did. And he had told me this before, but I think it's, it was his senior year. He sat down with his high school counselor and he talked about like perhaps signing up for honors courses. And she pretty much said like, I don't think you could handle those. No, like stay away from those. I don't think you could handle those. He ended up not taking them, but he still got into Berkeley and you know, you guys know the rest. 
So we were talking about that recently. And I said, hey, why don't you? And mind you, he went to high school in Salinas. Salinas is known as farm working people, agriculture. So I don't know. Like, it makes me think like, okay, maybe those counselors were doing this purposely to try to keep their students there. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they, but, they were straight up racist and didn't believe in the right, students there. Right. Yeah. So I told them, you know what we should do? And mind you, we looked up his uh, his the his high school to see if the counselor was still there. She's not. But I told them, like, you know what we should do? We should write a letter, like an open letter, and publish it. And he's like, no, again, because as first generation, like, we felt this guilt. Like, what how, Like, what if I voice this? What if I say this? How are people going to think of me? say to me like you know maybe opportunities that we may lose why because we typically are the token latino at these big corporations so he's like yeah don't publish anything but he said it's okay for you to talk about it in your podcast and i said yeah damn right i will so i still went ahead i wrote wrote the letter i didn't share it you know but i wrote it on his behalf and i shared it with him he's like wow chula thank you for sharing that thank you for writing that i never had someone fight so much for me and feel you know what you're feeling like at the same as me and I was like yeah because I get you like I, I you know like I maybe didn't have the same experience as you but I know where you're coming from like I know how much harder we have to work to show them like hey we're here and we're not going to be just your token Latino or your token Mexican we're going to work extra hard because that's what it takes like us at UC Santa Barbara we were like a very small minority but I know we worked hard to make our name for ourselves graduate be able to graduate a lot of people get to college and aren't able to do that we our parents didn't have the experience of saying hey we're going to get you a tutor hey we're going to pay for your uh, for your SAT course like we didn't have that and Again, going back to generational wealth, other people that do much better academically in college, in higher education is because their parents had that. They pay for housing for them. They pay for all these extra materials and resources for them to advance. I'll make another point too with that is recently I saw a post about how the bar exam was created to try to keep the profession as white as possible like years ago and how, you know, accidentally three black men got in to pass the bar and then they created the ABA, the American Bar Association, who accredited law schools. And it's really tough to get accredited. Like you have to have maintain like a high percentage passage rate to be accredited. And so anyway, so this post went on how a lot of folks who are studying for the bar exam don't have the time or the money to take three months off from work to just study like they have to work and so that's that's one of the reasons why they fail this exam like i i failed it the first time i just thought like oh okay it's a hard exam but it's like okay like well maybe because i never really had the sources like growing up or even like in law school even like studying for the bar exam like i had to take like an addition i remember having to take out an additional loan just for those three months that i was going to be studying and just thinking like fuck like otra deuda más and at that point i was telling you this morning at that point i had already taken out like the max during the three years i didn't have credit background to take an additional like six thousand or seven thousand dollar loan and i had to call one of my cousins and I was like, Hey, can you be a co-signer? Yes, absolutely. Long story short, like I was able to pay that one fast, but it was just like all the things that I've been thinking about, like, wow, like it's crazy to think that it's a system that's always been like that. I've never thought about it. Now that we have time to reflect on it, like, 
Like, it all makes sense. Te cayó el 20. cayó el 20. Ahorita que dijiste, like, how was I going to get the money? I was like, please don't say you joined a condina. Don't say you joined a condina. <laughs> What's and a then condina? your ass got oh my god Sissy, you said so much good stuff because ultimately you said it was hard you said the system was rigged against you you said there were people that were racist along the way you said that you had to do what you had to do in another loan but you freaking became a lawyer and your husband became a doctor like we have to let that sink in you're american <laughs> All three of yeah. us, were, we were born here. Yeah, we we're born we're here. We're American. Our dream will be harder to attain, perhaps. Oh, yeah. Pero le echaste unas ganas. I wanted to say way. I guess I said it already. Uh, le echaste unas ganas. And Luis did too. And I'm so proud of both of you because you had to survive what you had to survive. And it sounds like almost part of the process was you not completely grasping how much mm -hmm. harder you had yeah. to work. And that ignorance on fire, I love. Because sometimes I, I see that in my journey, too, when I'm like, man, I was a good student at UCSB. You were. I was actually a really I good student. I was like, I mean, like, you were so, like, the smarts. I mean, you're a smart woman. But I remember you, like, you know, we joke about this, but it's true. Like, we'd, like, you know, party all night or whatever. And you had, like, <laughs> final the next day. And she freaking aced it. Like, yeah, but, she, like, like, part, like, I don't, part of me feels like, dang, like, what if it wasn't like that totally? Like, what if there was this one thing where I didn't just naturally maybe do well on tests? Woo, like, one decision, one place, other yeah. one. So part of it is, like, man, my mom probably prayed, like, make her a good test taker, oh, Lord. Girl, yes. <laughs> Who knows what was that illuminated my path? But, like, college isn't easy. And, Getting the job isn't necessarily easy and going in a path that no one in your family has gone through is not easy and we survived it. The American It's dream is not. sometimes surviving. Yeah. And to those people that are getting told like Luis, right, in high schools by your counselors, like you're aiming too high. I was told by my counselor in high school. I went to an all-girls high school. It was an all-girl Latina, a majority Latina high school, which are very few of those. But our counselor was also Latina female. And we're like, why would senior year when we, she was meeting with us and discussing what schools we were finally applying to and all that, I brought up how I wanted to go to Berkeley. And my brother was already at Berkeley. And she pretty much was like, you're aiming too high. Why don't we stick to this school? Uh, and she was, at, they were pushing this all girls college, you know, little university, Mount St. Mary's, which is nothing wrong with Mount St. Mary's. Now they've established themselves for their academics, not Berkeley, right? So to be told, no, I knew, no, I had that outside support, right? To be like, I don't need her to tell me, like, she's crazy telling me that I, I should aim for this. But for those people that don't, it's like a doctor, go get a second opinion. Okay, talk about it. If, if your counselor tells you, you know, my counselor says, I, I don't think I should apply to this school. Talk to other people, talk to men. If you have a mentor, there's so many like other teachers that you see, you know, take interest in your work or that you feel that are, they're approachable or uh, somebody just else at your school or just someone else. I remember for me, I, I had, you know, my brother, thankfully. I had, you know, I was always at the library, the Watts Branch Library, and Ms. Johnson was also really good and just talking to me all the time. She's like, you're such a smart, bright girl. And that really helps you. And it builds, it doesn't make you egotistic. It just makes you feel like, I am, you're right. I am smart. Okay. And you see things just differently. So like anything, go get a second opinion. Don't trust 100% on that counselor. But if you, and if you have a good counselor, thank them because they're there to help you, to guide you and to push you towards you know push you forward and help you grow and if you don't have that find it get that second opinion and make sure you don't give up on yourself now some of us will have to take it as a moment of reflection again and be like 
maybe I should reconsider my options. What is probably the best thing to go? If you know you're a good student, if you know that maybe you do feel that and it's in your gut that we're like, this is just doesn't seem right, or I'm a smart person, or I have the wits to do it, then make sure you reach out for that because you'll find that there'll be other people to support you. I was going to say that this conversation reminded me of a situation in law school, my first year, a comment made to me by, um, you know, classmates, same year, first year law school student, white male, privileged, but he had gone to college at, I think, Cal State Channel Islands. I, I just remember it being like a Cal State. And when he found out I had gone to UCSB, he's like, wow, you went to, U-, like, in a hating tone, right? You went to UCSB? How, how did you do that? Oh, I'm jealous. I hate you. Like, just making those comments. And I was like, oh my God. thinking at first, I was like, este cabrón pendejo. And I'm like, yes, I did. I went. I graduated in four years. I did. And I partied and I graduated. And yeah. And what? But- and I look good. And I look hella good. But it's just like, and but yeah, okay, yeah, he passed the bar exam on his first try. He got into like a top notch corporate law firm, you know, straight out of law school, that sort of thing. I oh, because his his whole thing for hating on me was because he didn't get into UCSB. That was this thing, Uh, yeah. So my hubby always tells these funny stories about when he went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. First of all, he's like, I don't know how I got there. He was really smart and the top of the class setting would high. And then he got there and he was like, whoa, like I'm the bottom of the class here. But then he would meet people and he was like, they are not bright. They are not smart. They're not (laughs) how they get into this school. And then he would find out later, like that was kind of like their fallback school and the parent kind of got in. And yeah, wow, the system is so different. Like I had to be like top 12 in my class to get in Mm -hmm. here. This dude is like top 597. And since he couldn't get into daddy's school or whatever. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> wow, te cae el 20 all over the place, right? Sí. And people want to insult you and degrade you or whatever. But I was going to say my tip of the day is whatever the American dream looks like for you, own it, believe it, plan for it. We're all saying it's different. We don't have the ideal definition. But I will say, don't use the fact that you might believe it's dead as an excuse. Because that, to me, is oh, a little girl. bit of a cop-out, drives me crazy. People blame a system. And here we are, three women. It doesn't matter that the American dream might feel like it's dead to you to then be the victim to this dream and believe that you can't make it and you can't do it and I'm being held down. You have three amazing examples of women. I would say we are very successful and had all those hurdles. We continue to face them to this day, it's not going to end. We are trying to change the system from within, but we also can't be victims of the system. I cannot tolerate the idea that you're not successful because the system didn't allow you to be. It is partly true, but then you have to take life by the reins. Where you grew up, maybe your life is harder. You didn't have two parents. You this, you that, you the other. We all have examples of that. That it's not going to be hard. I'm not saying life isn't going to be hard. We are going to be hit with it. But it's not an excuse to not pursue your life. It's not an excuse to blame the system to, oh, I'm not successful because XYZ. I'm not successful because XYZ. Do not be the person that shames everybody else. Ceci is saying, this guy made fun of me. Great. We still kept on our course. Ceci didn't say to herself, this guy made fun of me and doubt myself and maybe he's going to get into this top corporate thing and maybe I should deviate and leave the career. And that sounds even like pobrecita, but what if Ceci was like, this white man, he's going to do better than me. Screw law and screw this career. Like, I feel like there's so much of like hating and then being the victim and it just drives me oh, bonkers. Yeah. So the excuse is don't let the American dream be dead, quote unquote, be the thing that you then are on this high horse and you don't pursue success and you shy away from hard work. I mean, I believe no matter where you are, you have got to work hard and there's going to be systemic things you need to break through and you're going to have to buckle up and break through anyway. And with that, I'm going to say, as Ceci mentioned, 
you're going to fail. And if you fail, that's okay. That, for example, in this case, hers was that test, the bar, passing the bar. The bar is difficult AF. It is the most challenging thing, but there's going to be challenging things you're going to be facing on a daily basis. And if you're working hard at it and you're like, I'm, I'm ready to take this on and you fail, freaking get back up, get back up, dust yourself off again, find the support that you need, reach out for help, ask for help. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes people see you as a strong person. Who cares? Ask for help if you're strong, even if you're strong. And do it again. Then after that, be like, okay, I failed again. Okay, what can I learn from this? Maybe the learning part is maybe this is not what I'm meant to do. Maybe I should probably take my resources elsewhere or my knowledge elsewhere. If not, you're going to be reaffirmed to be like, no, this is what I really want to do and I'm going to continue with it. But this time now you have a support system. But you live and you learn and you make mistakes and you fail and you just can't quit on yourself and you cannot make excuses. It's you ultimately doing this. So make sure that you do not give up on yourself and that dream that you find and find the support that you need in order to get there. Yeah, it's like you almost got to keep banging on that door. Like the door will be the system, the door will be the racism, the door will be the counselor. We all had those people that told us like, oh, you're you're stretching too far, you're dreaming too mm-hmm. big. It may be your own parent. It may be your supportive spouse that you realize is not so supportive. You have to keep banging on that door. And the last thing you want to do is say, oh, the American dream, as I see it for myself, is not for me. If you see it for yourself, it's for you. It's just going to take failure. It's going to take criticism. It's going to take trying again. It's going to take some ignorance on fire like we talked about. But our tip is to recognize when maybe you're using that as an excuse to not get after it because that's just going to hurt you. And it will not be a system that kept you out if you kept quitting on yourself because the system we're trying to change right now takes us not quitting. We have to keep talking about it and signing the petitions and going to the protests and becoming the Latinas in the room and bringing other Latinas to the room. We're going to have to keep fighting that system and we can't get fatigued. So don't get fatigued on yourself. Don't get fatigued mm-hmm. in the society because that fatigue is not going to change these things that sometimes make the American dream feel unattainable. More power to everybody. Let's continue to do this topic justice offline. So feel free to email us. Our email is admin at leveluplatina.com. Hit us up on social media. Our handle is at leveluplatina on Facebook and Instagram. And again, no excuses, mujeres. That is it for today for episode 58 and let us know on instagram and facebook what the american dream looks like for you and until then we'll see you next time Tú puedes, no te des por vencida, cabrón. Boom. <laughs>